Today's episode is brought to you by Romare Skincare. Based out of Chicago, Romare launched a work-from-home clean skincare line that covers all your skin needs. They prove that you don't need a million serums and eye creams to get better skin. Why we love them? Clean ingredients and effective results with just a simple three-step routine that you and even your partner can share. Right now, Romare Skincare is offering our listeners 15% off and gift with your first purchase by using the code LISTENER15. That's code LISTENER15 on their website, RomareSkincare.com. No stress, no clutter, just happy skin. where we discuss all the awkwardness, hardships, and hilarity that comes along with society labeling you white on the inside and black on the outside, also known as an Oreo. I am one of your co-hosts, Tia Swin, and I am here with... Mari Pollard. Jemai Primes. Dang, dang. <laughs> I guess it's not as easy to fuck it up with <laughs> two other people. Um, how are you fools doing? Um, I just gave you really high energy, and then it was just met with one. I know, I know. I'm so sorry. I <laughs> you am, had to. We had to think about our days. <laughs> we had to think about our days. I told you guys about me crying in the park today. Like, I'm here. Same. I think I made a mistake over the weekend on Friday. I watched the photograph, and that just got me in a mood. And I think I've been carrying that on. I can't watch it. Didn't everyone say the photograph was like really bad though? I said it the first time I watched it. Oh, and I the second time. What would you say? Why are you rewatching it? Okay, you guys, I'm gonna reveal something about myself, and you guys may think I'm a weirdo. I think I already know this thing you're gonna reveal. Anyway, continue. I have a really bad habit. From any time I watch a movie, like the photograph aside, I'll watch it twice in a row, just because I like to one for fun and then the second time is just to study like the okay, movie itself I that with music i guess okay. I could okay yeah so um but i was just like i was like so i want to give the photograph a second chance because i was like maybe i'm too hard harsh on it uh i mean granted i still feel mostly the same about it but it's the certain parts of the movies the certain actors that make me cry each time um and that's usually at the end of the movie but after that, I was just like staring at the wall for an hour. So that I didn't watch it because I'm like, this doesn't seem realistic from the trailer. I'm of the vein of because I'm rooting for everybody black, even if it's not good, even if the reviews aren't that great, I'm still gonna watch it. No, I'm I get that too, but I just looked at the story and I was like, I I don't know. I guess when I turned like. It's a romance movie. None of this shit is realistic. <laughs> That's the thing, though. But after a certain age, I just, I'm realizing how much bullshit the media, like, growing up watching these, like, rom-coms and, like, Disney shit. And then I just had a moment when I was like, I'm not watching any of this ever again. I honestly haven't. Like, I, I don't watch, I just watch, like, strictly comedy, like, comedy specials, documentary. Like, stuff that's, like, real life. So it's, like, comedy specials, documentary. That's mostly it. Because I'm just, like, I don't need to be wrapped up in this, like, and maybe this is partially my fault, but it's, like, we consume so much of this, like, rom-com, and he's going to come back. So in my real life, I'm like, he's going to come back. He's going to do this. And it's like, nah, bitch, you're not a special 
you know that's so true just yeah. my own feeling i'm just like don't get wrapped up in this like fantasy just do real life stuff and i that's what i've been consuming no I'm that's a, real i mean it is my parents blame my love of romantic comedies and all this stuff for why i have unrealistic expectations when it comes to love which is honestly facts um but i may be a cynic but i'm also like i'm not proud of it but somewhere deep inside me is a very big hopeless romantic and that's why like rom-coms are my shit it's not even deep for me it's surface level i love romance i watch tons of korean dramas i constantly constantly am reading some type of fanfic or some type of love romantic comic I love it. It makes like me happy. It makes me smooth. Like, I'm too dated. Like, even like, crazy rotations, I'm like, unrealistic. But that also might be because of my personal experience. Like, mm-hmm. I was just like, nope, that's, mom's never going to like her. <laughs> Stuff like that. So She's like, been hurt. <laughs> it's not I'm just like, this isn't, um, like. No, I didn't say bitter. I said, you've been hurt. Oh, oh. You can call me both. It's okay. <laughs> That's been hurt and bitter. Bitter by Fletcher. That's a good song if you guys like it. Um, what like song? Bitter by Fletcher. Mm-hmm. I, I came up with my title. I used it for one of my workouts. Highly recommend Bitter by Fletcher. Shout out okay. to Fletcher. I just, love makes me happy. And I know that it has given me so many unrealistic expectations when it comes to love. I know that I constantly have this, I could change how outlook when it comes to dating. Why? Because I grew up loving romance and then I end up in situations with men who are unchangeable fuckboys. So, there you go. Actually, yeah, so, that's why I love Frozen because I was like, yes. I like Frozen too. That messaging... I was like, this is real. Teach them young. Teach them to love their sister and that men don't matter. Okay, were y'all not there in the beginning? Yeah, but like... She changed, duh. No, but the guy like screwed her over and manipulated her. And I was like, yeah, that's the message. (laughs) Exactly. Or like Moana, where there's no romantic interest at all. That's true. I mean, growing up, I used to think that... um, I mean, I still think uh, Mulan was one of like the most feminist um, Disney princess movies. But then I was like, I never even thought like now. I'm like, why did they make her and Shen Shane? I can't whatever his name is the the military yeah. dude. Why did they make them have a relationship? And now I'm looking because he's hot. But that just that unequal distribution of power is questionable. Like we, I'm like, there's so many things. I'm like looking at this. It's, That's it's my favorite. It's great. And that that soundtrack, yo. Ah, oh, that soundtrack. Let's get down to business to, to defeat, defeat the Huns. I sing a whole different ass song. That's all we were talking about. What were you singing? You're like, who is this girl? Oh, no one cares about that one. Um, anything else y'all want to talk about before we get <laughs> No, we just went on so many different tangents. Yeah. Okay, today we have a very special guest with us. She is Kira West, a content creator, community cultivator, and founder of By K West. Her journey into wellness began with an adventurous spirit and an insatiable desire to travel. Kira was determined to find all of the opportunities she could to experience the world. Kira's love of travel influenced her desire to investigate ways to seek balance in her life and live most optimally. 
Her journey to seek and define wellness was intertwined with Kira's desire to define for herself the meaning of wellness. Her experience led her to focus on not only travel, but fitness and running. These then became the elements that defined Kira's idea of wellness. Kira wants to empower people to seek their own definitions of wellness, while also making the space more inclusive. Kira, welcome to the show. Yes, of course. I hope I did your bio justice. <laughs> um, okay, so this podcast is all about having the label Oreo being placed on you and how it's been impacted um, the way you move around the world. So we have to ask, have you ever been called an Oreo? All the time. Um, and it's funny because I just chatted with my brother about this. Um, he started college this fall. And I think, you know, our parents have always spoken to us, especially my stepmom. She's an English major um, and use like a, a variety of words and just like sometimes more complicated phrasing than we need. So I think that we just kind of adopted those because that's all that we really knew and didn't know that it was any different from what anyone else was doing. I think until someone used that word. Um, I definitely got it more when I was younger than I do now. I think um, now as a professional, it's actually quite helpful. Um, but it's definitely something that I've run into over the years. So what inspired you to get into wellness um, and start creating your brand? So my brand really started more in the travel space. Um, I have always loved travel. But when I went to college, I really got creative with how I did that. So I went to Cornell and I wasn't able to study abroad, but I did a lot of work projects abroad. So I did a lot of consulting, volunteering, um, and working with social enterprises. And when I graduated, I was like, okay, well, all of a sudden that's going to end because I'm going to go into working. And in my mind, that was like the end of my travel. Um, but I actually found that traveling helps me to create balance. Uh, because I had gone from undergrad straight into working at a hotel, which was a lot more stressful than I thought it would be. So for me, um, being able to take a couple of days or a long weekend to go explore a new place really became, you know, a part of what kept me going and, and how I filled up my cup. So as I moved forward, um, I began doing more within the fitness space. Um, personally, because I realized that it was just important for me to prioritize. Um, and that became my kind of daily way of taking care of myself and, and carving out some time for me. So by K West as a brand just encompasses both under the umbrella of wellness. So I approach wellness really through a lens of travel and fitness for me personally, but I want to encourage women, um, especially women of color to kind of like figure out whatever works for them um, from a wellness perspective and realize that, you know, it doesn't have to be expensive or kind of this large scale idea. Um, it can kind of be like the little things that you do to live more optimally every day. That's awesome. Um, and I know that we all kind of have an idea of, of what a personal brand is, or you hear that phrase so much. To you, what is a personal brand? For me, it really started with my Instagram, and uh, I used to be Carmen San Diego with a K, of course, um, a play off of the U.S. known um, game from when I was younger. A friend of mine made the joke about where in the world I was, and it kind of stuck. But as I continued to grow and evolve and create content based on, you know, what my community was asking for, it grew into something a little bit more. Um, so I launched my blog, I think maybe a year and a half ago now. 
um, with just more of a defined niche um, and really clear messaging around, you know, what I'm an expert in or, you know, what um, I talk about most. And so I would say for me now, my personal brand kind of encompasses not only the content that I create on one platform or another, but kind of the approach that I have and the niche that I sit within um, as like a subject matter expert. How would you best describe by K West and the community you built through your brand? So I am always in awe of my community and the incredible men and women that have been supporting me along the way. Some from the very, very beginning um, and some, you know, more recently as I've spoken up on my unique perspective as a black woman in both travel and fitness. Um, I think, you know, in terms of how I define my community, the numbers, it's, it's mostly women um, and mostly women of color. So, you know, I really tried to be intentional about who I'm speaking to. Um, but I think I really appeal to people who are broadly interested in furthering their journeys, either from like a wellness perspective, a fitness perspective, or a travel perspective. Um, you know, keeping in mind that I'm going to be adding in even more of like my particular perspective to that. Um, so I think obviously as like black women, it's, it's helpful to see another black woman navigating these things, um, and kind of giving the tips and tricks along the way. Yeah. And so like, I mean, the wellness and fitness, sorry, wellness, fitness, all of the industry can feel like very overwhelming and like not overwhelmingly white, but that's also not because black people aren't there or people of color aren't there, but because I feel like oftentimes the people that are elevated a lot of times within the community are white people. Um, so I was just wondering, how do you, um, try to create space digitally and physically, um, and in a in an environment like that where you're not necessarily as, um, I guess, celebrated for lack of a better word? Of course. I think it's been a journey. You know, I didn't even realize how desensitized I'd come to that or I'd become to that until more recently, like I would say within the past year and a half. Um, because graduating from Cornell, I mean, you're kind of used to moving within primarily white spaces. And then, you know, I went from working at a hotel to now working on more of like the corporate side of travel so I'm still in a space where I'm within the minority quite literally so I think when I was then doing things outside of the work environment within fitness that mirrored that same kind of like room that I was in I guess for lack of a better way of describing it or kind of mirrored those same conditions I didn't necessarily like think that it was any different from what I was doing during the day um, and I got kind of used to that I think I always kind of felt a little bit different than others maybe in terms of the reasons why I would show up to events, even if they were at challenging times or why I would kind of finesse my schedule to make it work because I do still work full time. Um, but a lot of that was because, you know, in the pictures that are taken in the social content, um, I was often the only woman of color, the only black woman, especially. And so even just showing up and, you know, being someone there for someone else to kind of see, I think was important. But I realized that that wasn't enough either. And so creating the space was, was what I needed to be putting more effort into doing. So I think that over time, I've really been intentional about developing relationships both within the industry with smaller creators, um, with creators who sit within health and wellness, um, and then just other people in general that I would try to kind of bring with me to events, put on with brands and things like that. Um, but I do take pride in, like, again, the quality of my work and have done a lot of back-end research to figure out who I need to know and, and kind of what brands I should be working with and things like that. So um, I definitely try to those bonds as well and, um, you know, make sure that the creators that I'm networking with and, and that I'm sharing all these things with also kind of have that same viewpoint and are open to exploration as well, because a lot of the brands that I sometimes work with don't have it all figured out. 
um, especially not now, but I appreciate the efforts in the right direction and the measurable outcomes that they're taking a look at. Right. Um, and you kind of answered my uh, my next question a bit with just how like you work with other creators and how you network um, and kind of help each other. Um, but like, how can the industry as a whole, do you think, maybe become more inclusive? Um, and how can that help those uh, looking to either enter the industry or to just be a part of it from, I guess, like a like a viewership? Um, how can that help them? I think that the organization is really key. So um, there are two organizations that come to my mind, one within the travel space and one within the fitness space that's really creating kind of more of an organized effort around advancement for Black people. So there's the Black Travel Alliance, which um, is a select few Black travel um, content creators, bloggers, and things like that that have come together to really hold the industry accountable, especially travel companies, um, tourism boards and all of the folks that would fall under that sector. So I think, um, you know, being involved in that, being aware of what the efforts are there is kind of one way to continue to create space. And I think the organization is really key in terms of making long-term, large-scale shifts. And then if we look at the fitness end of things, but for us, um, they were featured uh, as a part of the self-cover, which I was on in September, where we delved into what it means to be Black in fitness. And there's a lot more to come there in terms of, you know, education, empowerment, and advancement for Black people that fall under the fitness and wellness scope. So I think that those are kind of the two things that I'm, you know, somewhat involved in more fit for us than I am with Black Travel Alliance, but I definitely am on the pulse of kind of like what's being done on both ends um, and supporting and, and sharing the messaging and all of those things where I can as well. I think um, when it comes to collaboration, I always invite the opportunity to collaborate because I think it's really important. There are not a lot of Black women um, that are wellness bloggers, um, at least not necessarily on the scale that I'm operating on from like a business perspective. Um, but I do make an effort to try and connect with people, kind of see where we can work together. And um, Mia and I have formed a very close relationship because she is one of the only other Black female um, wellness bloggers that I know of. Um, and so we've done a lot of work behind the scenes in terms of recommending each other for campaigns um, and just furthering our growth in different ways. I love hearing that. Just Black women just taking each other with us as we go. <laughs> same. I also same love Black same. Travel Alliance. I like signed up for their newsletter. That's exciting to hear. Yes. Yeah. And if you don't have the ABC Green Book, I'm like plugging Marty because I love her. <laughs> She's great and still on the cover. Um, but it's inc an incredible book that she just released. Um, I got my copy. I'm like looking for it now as if I can go get it and show it to you guys. Um, it's an incredible book of, of, you know, the modernized version of the Green Book and where as a black travel, you can, black traveler, you can seek those opportunities of the world. So, um, I love having like a physical copy of it. That's so great. Um, so before you had mentioned being on the cover of Self Magazine, kudos to you. Celebrate. Pew, 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 pew. Yes. Snaps. Um, if, if you haven't checked it out, go check it out. Listeners support. Um, so during the interview, you talked about kind of the um, intersection that music plays um, with fitness. Um, could you talk a little bit more about how music selections that some fitness instructors make can really put emotional strain on Black people? 
Of course. So I think that the article probably does a better job than I'm about to do of distilling all the key points. But overall, as a Black person coming into a fitness class or a wellness space, you're looking for, you know, that self-care moment. And so anything that's going to add additional stress or mental strain is just not ideal. Um, and I think it can be quite jarring when you're in, you know, a workout class and you're in the moment, really getting into it and enjoying yourself to then hear the N-word and be the only Black person in the room that's been kind of stressed out about, like, is the instructor going to vibe with this? Are they going to repeat this? What is every other person in the room doing that maybe doesn't understand a history of the word and, and, you know, why it's just not something that we're perpetuating at this point? And um, obviously, again, like, I don't think that whether you're a black instructor, a white instructor, an instructor from any other country in the world, um, that it makes a difference in terms of just creating inclusive environments. So, um, you know, my kind of biggest thing was with that was why not just eliminate the challenge overall and like play more clean music or just pay attention to um, and honor the fact that there's kind of a history there. I think the challenge within the fitness space sometimes is that Black music is appreciated, but Black culture and Black people aren't treated with the same level of value. Um, and so the disconnect is, is quite stressful as well. I mean, there are entire brands that have built their following off of leveraging hip-hop without respect to the history there um, or without employing very many people of color, period. So um, looking forward to kind of seeing more of that pivot and change um, as we've already heard some of that start to shift. Yeah, that's such a good and important point. And to be honest with you, that's something that I've never really even thought about. But I imagine that those little minute details can really, really affect people. So as someone who who's grown up as an Oreo, being labeled an Oreo, have you ever had any um, Oreo experiences with music? I mean, we had an episode about it. Me and Amari regularly talk about our love for Paramore and kind of being judged based off of being Black women appreciate love rock music have you ever had any experiences like that yes music is a very interesting one I think growing up my parents are from the Caribbean so we listened to a bunch of different things my dad played soca and reggae as he cleaned and I went back this weekend as I was like math cleaning the house before my boyfriend returned from a trip and I was like I'm turning into my parents it's crazy why is that the um, cleaning music <laughs> Right. It's always, and it's, and it's always the weekends and in the morning. Like, that's the first thing. Yes. And my dad is a huge vacuumer. I don't know what it is about the way he grew up, but this man loves to vacuum. So he will blast the tunes and vacuum the entire house. Like, that's the thing. Um, so anyways, I've always had like kind of a love for, for those sorts of tunes because it brings me back to like home and my family and all of that stuff. Um, but also, I think I'm very, like, emotionally attached to music. So, like, growing up, I would also go see the Nutcracker every year with some of my parents' friends. And so, like, I will listen to the score of Tchaikovsky's the Nutcracker, like, often. Like, when I need to focus, that's the music that I listen to. And people are very surprised that I enjoy classical music and, like, am very, very into that. Also, like, musicals. I used to dance as a kid. So, like, I love show tunes just because I remember, like, performing to them, singing to them, and, like, all of the things. Um, and I feel like when it comes to mainstream music, I'm kind of stuck with what I like from God knows when, because uh, some of it's kind of old, but I definitely think that there is this stigma that like, you know, as a black person, you have to just listen to rap music. And I've always hated that because I like to listen to a bunch of different things. And like, there's not necessarily one 
artist that's not necessarily kind of like rapper mainstream that I would say I love that people have judged me for, but I do think the plethora of music that I listen to um, is sometimes surprising for people. Um, and like, don't get me wrong, I, I like rap too, and, and I enjoy that, but sometimes that's just not the vibe that I'm looking for. Um, and so there's lots of songs that I enjoy and that I listen to that maybe don't fall into that category and aren't necessarily mainstream pop either. Um, so I definitely think that, yeah, I've gotten that before. Like, as we do this podcast, we're realizing it's more common than we thought that everyone kind of, like, yeah, I've been called an Oreo for this music, or I've been told I talk to it so white and stuff. So it's interesting to hear that it's just, like, all of us from different, like, backgrounds get that same. Yeah. I think for me, it's also a product of my work environment. So obviously, after college, I went to work at a luxury hotel and you're trained on speaking with luxury language. So now, and especially when I shifted jobs to a much more casual environment, I really had to, like, be mindful of the fact that when I'm nervous or when I, like, don't know what to say, I would revert back to the luxury language, which is super formal, um, you know, and not necessarily the most, like, friendly, relaxed, and approachable. And I think that, you know, I also got kind of the commentary there, too, because I tend to use words, like, I use the phrase, I digress often, and I don't realize sometimes, like, how little people will use that in their regular speech, because I'm so used to it, um, that, like, you know, a friend of my family was like, I don't know what word this is that you're using, and it was, like, kind of awkward, um, so I feel like for me, it's not as much the music, but more just my word choice, like, the diction and syntax, and, like, the way that I speak, that tends to have me get that commentary more. I didn't even know there was, like, luxury language. I need to, like, level up and use it. But I love the phrase, I digress. Or, like, I feel like people are always like, well, I'm just going to piggyback off of what so-and-so said. And then I feel like there are certain phrases that tend to be, like, I guess, like, corporate speak. I mean, luxury is a little different from, like, the hotel environment. My pleasure. Like, I never really said thank you. Um, I, like, was used to holding doors open, like, the very basics of what you look at when you think of like a luxury property but I was in sales so like I spoke to guests often I spoke to clients often um and like I wore a full suit and heels at at all times so like that was the environment that I was in and we were trained on those sorts of things in terms of like how you respond to guests we're often very frustrated um and I took a lot of that into my initial corporate switch and kind of had to learn the balance between like being relaxed and like being myself but like not too relaxed and not too myself. Um, so it's interesting. But I digress is a phrase that I've used for a couple of years. Um, and it's probably a bad habit because half the time I don't know if I'm even digressing anymore. <laughs> <laughs> I really no one really knows. They're just like, yeah, we'll go with it. <laughs> um, so we're going to switch the conversation a little bit uh, to more so like health and, and wellness and eating eating properly but um for many different reasons that boil down to like inequality and like issues of access and like food deserts um poor eating tends to be a habit in in the black community um we see that especially like um i can I talk about like groups from the south and like just uh southern eating a lot of like butter and fried food and all that good stuff um but is there a way we can get some of our particularly older family members to eat healthier eat um you know healthier options because i feel like i struggle when especially like older family members who who they'll just say like i've been eating this for 50 years i'm not going to change now and i'm like yeah but you got it so like do you have any tips for that how we can like shift that narrative to eating eating better yeah i mean i think you can't try and change all the things at once 
So when I first started my wellness journey years ago, there was a book called Eat This, Not That that just had like healthier swaps. So like instead of having, this is going to be a really bad example because I was going to go with double stuff Oreos, have single stuff, but that's irrelevant. And also like, again, now I have Oreos on my mind and they are my favorite cookie. Um, but the book was really easy to use because it was like, okay, if you usually buy like, I don't know, store-bought hot dogs, like here's a better option. And I think a lot of times it's like, I'm not expecting you to go from eating mac and cheese to having like just a salad. Um, but at the same time, like, are there some things you can sub out? Like, can you have some balance somewhere else? And I think there's this common misconception that healthy food doesn't taste good. And I don't know about you ladies, but I like to season my food thoroughly, whether it's a vegetable or a piece of chicken or whatever. Um, and I really had to learn now that I'm not just cooking for myself, but I'm cooking for someone who usually eats burgers um, and things like that, that like you do have to find a nice middle ground between, you know, some of the healthier options and then the things that are just like bring you joy and are enjoyable to eat. Um, so like a lot of times we'll do turkey burgers versus beef burgers because they're a little bit better for you and a little bit cleaner and easier for your body to process. Um, but like, can you really taste the difference? Not necessarily. Um, it's still meaty. But yeah, I would say you can't try and change it all in one day, like trying to make little sustainable changes. Like, can you cut down one can of soda a day and only do like, I don't know, a can a week or whatever it is, depending on kind of where that person's at. I feel like that's helped. And then um, also with like traditional recipes, again, like my family's kind of from the Caribbean. My aunt actually cooks pretty healthy and she makes everything from scratch. And that's just how she moves. But um, I feel like when it comes to tradition and things like that, like those are not necessarily the things that I always jump to first in terms of like what I'm going to change, because I understand that there's like the history, like the, the feeling, the process, and like it's a whole thing. Um, so I kind of focus more on the little things first um, to create kind of sustainable habits. So like water intake is usually pretty low and some of those types of folks that are older that maybe just don't pay attention. Um, so, yeah. Okay, I'm gonna look into this book for for some some family members. <laughs> I hope that wasn't shady. But are you vegan by any chance? I'm absolutely not. Okay. Um, so I am allergic to egg, which means that anything that's like a baked good, I usually will have a vegan alternative. Um, and I'm always open to trying different things. But I'm not vegan. For me personally, the amount of plants that I would need to eat to get the protein intake that I'm looking for to kind of sustain all the working out that I do. Uh, with the limited time that I have, it's just not quite practical, and I would prefer to eat whole foods, including some animal proteins or some fish, um, versus, like, some of the higher processed options. Um, I think, you know, whatever diet you go with as a person, just, like, being super mindful of the level of processing um, and what your priorities are is really helpful. So I don't necessarily think that the way that I eat has a name, um, but I try and focus on, like, whole foods, things that bring me joy. Um, and then, like, the things that make me feel my best. Okay. Awesome. I wasn't sure because you, you sounded like you were cooking really healthy, and I'm like, oh, maybe she's vegan. But I don't know. But that's, that's I mean, we cool. didn't eat meat yesterday, and I think that my boyfriend thought he was going to faint at one point. <laughs> He's totally fine. Um, <laughs> and it was totally okay. But for the most part, usually I do um, white meat and fish, plus, like, tons of veggies. Okay, yeah. That sounds more like my guy and, like, paleo a little bit. Um, but like t- trying to cut down like red meat and like I'm trying to limit the dairy not because I want to but because my body's like girl if you don't stop 
I'm gonna blow up. Um, yeah, <laughs> so that's that's my only reason for doing that. Not because I want to. Man, I felt like I learned so much during this, and but also. I think my problem, at least with like eating healthy, is that I'm either an all or nothing person, like in everything. So I'm just like trying to cut down everything, and then I end up feeling guilty because I last two days. And yeah, I would say all or nothing. I definitely can be on that mindset, and I feel like I really had to break that when it comes to health and wellness and and just working out because it is such a process. And I found for me, like being super strict, it just doesn't lend itself to any sort of great benefit like I get frustrated I get more emotionally attached to the little things instead of like really zooming out and seeing the bigger picture so I feel like tracking my food helped me just regain control and understand what I was eating I had no regard for portion control zero idea how much protein I was eating and naturally unless I really pay attention I tend to not eat enough because I grew up without eating meat and I only eat like the white meat and fish Mm -hmm. Uh, plus I don't eat eggs so there's a lot of um, like higher protein options that I just can't have Um, so I learned through that process that those are some of the things I should be aware of but a lot of times I feel like your body at least as you get older and start listening to it will kind of tell you what works so for me similar to what um, you had just said about dairy I love I love cow dairy it's great um but my body doesn't necessarily love it so I have not cut it out by any means but I do try and just be mindful of my intake um and understand the cause and effect relationship that's there um but yeah like I mean I'll have a kale salad and I'm still a huge lover of fries so I'm like big on doing both um and finding whatever balance works for you I tend to find healthy options that are more quick because I am lazy when it comes to some of that stuff so I'd rather save my time for doing other things. And I feel like healthy eating doesn't necessarily have to be, like, as complicated as people. I have fries and salad for lunch, so I'm like, we're the same. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I didn't, but <laughs> I support you in that. I mean, I'm like, should I have both? And I'm like, yeah, just do it. Like, I want That's a fantastic combination. Yeah, yeah, it wasn't a lot of fries. It was, like, a, it was just, like, a little, like, motivation to get through the salad so i'm like if you finish the salad you can have you like fries. five fries and it it's works so i'm like using your salad you're doing it wrong i like i mean i truly just use everything but i feel like that's made my salad experience more enjoyable um i started making my own dressings for a while but like i don't know i feel like adding in fun stuff and seasoning it like really helps it's i usually add berries i know some people are like not no berries. I'm a no berry. I'm We've about the craisins. About the craisins are good. Yeah. I'm <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I am not. I'm a savory salad gal, not a fruit salad. Oh, give me a fruit salad any day. But you can do both. Yeah. yeah separately. Some fruit and some salmon in a salad. I will do it. Girl, I'm not doing fruit and salmon. It's good. Anyway, <laughs> I feel judged right now, so we're going to move on. <laughs> Hey, so-called Oreos listeners, this is your girl, Kia, and we're pausing this episode because we've been trying something new. We've been doing promotion swaps with other like-minded podcasters, so we wanted to share this clip from this podcast, Anxiety About Anxiety, which is hosted by Keith Snyder, and it's all about changing the stigma behind mental health. Hope you enjoy. I talked about it a little bit on my last episode. Um, I felt very compelled to make this podcast not only about me and my struggles with anxiety, but I wanted to make this podcast for other individuals to be able to share their stories with 
struggling with anxiety, depression, PTSD, or whatever mental health issue that they're dealing with. I, I wanted, I really wanted to make this podcast for the people, the masses out there. Um, and tonight I'm very honored to begin this journey with the story uh, of David. Well, Nunez. how do I start? Um, in 1996, I was diagnosed as having bipolar. So about 24 years, I've been dealing with uh, mental illness. Travel is also a very big part um, of your brand. And, you know, just when Key was going through your bio, just looking at how many places you had been also solo. I mean, I'm, as they know, I'm paranoid. So like me going anywhere by myself, <laughs> it takes a lot of motivation. Um, but I'm also like wondering, have you had any um, like, Oreo experiences while traveling or has like anything come up in your uh in just your travel journeys being by yourself and being a black woman not really I mean I think that being born and raised in Brooklyn New York I always err on the side of caution and like watching my surroundings some of the stories that I've heard it's like oh you were dangling your wallet out late at night like no wonder someone took it um so I feel like what with those sorts of things I always try and like keep to my common sense um, and then on top of that, I always like proceed with caution. So like in Morocco, for example, instead of like figuring out how I would get from the airport to my, um, Riyadh that I was staying at, when I got there, I like organized my travel beforehand, just like understanding that I was traveling alone and like, you know, it would be the safest and most secure way to go about things. So I think that like I limited risks in that regard, um, which made me feel more safe. Also, when you're traveling solo, you're not always alone. So there are some times where I was, which is a beautiful thing. And I like being by myself. So I enjoyed it. Uh, but you meet new people. And I think that you're more open to having new conversations and making new connections because you're not like within a closed group already. Or like for me in Morocco, for example, if that's the uh, example that's like top of mind. I didn't like having someone like chauffeur me around and like have to like, it was like I had a handler. And that was because like, when I was going out at night, it wasn't necessarily safe. And, you know, there are lots of assumptions when you're a black woman from America, especially in certain parts of the world, about what your financial status is. Little did they know that I just graduated from college and, like, literally had zero dollars. Um, I was running on, like, very, very, very little budget. But um, now I'm digressing. Anyhow, I met I met people there who were from Australia because I was like, great, I can, like, hang out with them and go places with them versus, like, having to have someone literally walk me around, which is just so whack. Um, and it was hard for me to like adjust to that because I had been in Portugal beforehand. This was like many years pre-COVID, but like running through the streets, like walking around on my own without an issue. And Morocco was just a little bit different, um, Marrakesh specifically. So I think number one, like remembering common sense is super key. But for me, I've learned so much about myself through my solo travels and truly like met some amazing people along the way. And I did do, um, like, a couple of longer solo stints where I was really able to, like, build relationships with people and things like that um, and have some kind of incredible stories that I've gotten from there. I want to go travel someplace. I do, too. I miss it. <laughs> well, I just posted 
have a list of places that we can go with a U.S. passport today. Not that that means you necessarily should go, but, um, you <laughs> know, you once can. you kind of, right, just once you kind of analyze your personal situation, I know for me, it's fairly low risk, right? It's me, my, my boyfriend, and the dog, and when it comes to, like, anyone who's at risk that I would see, there's not really that many people. Um, but I would need to see within a two-week time frame, so I feel pretty comfortable traveling. But with that being said, I'm also not really going to maybe some of the places that I usually would go or traveling in the way that I usually would travel. It's a lot more planning and research. Um, but I am planning one last big trip before my passport expires and the year ends. So um, look out for that. It's also taking forever to renew them now, so I'm like, I better go first. And then nice. you relax that they take forever to renew it versus like being stressed. <laughs> totally get that. Um, just out of curiosity, in your travels, um, do you do different type of workouts that are, I don't know, associated with that culture? Like if you are in India per se, are, are you going to a temple and doing yoga? Um, is that like the biggest focal point of your travel? I would say no, actually. Mm -hmm. I feel like wellness um, overall impacts like all the areas of my life. But when I travel, I really try to be in tune with what's happening locally. So I don't necessarily prioritize fitness unless I'm somewhere where there's like something that's fitness related that's relevant for me to check out or a piece of home. When I was in Stockholm, I went to Barry's boot camp because I was like, I really want to work out. It's been a minute. Um, and I like wanted that familiarity. But usually I don't work out as much. Um, when I'm away, unless it's like, again, something that's hyper local, because I'm more interested in like, just what experiences there are to be had um, outside of that, that I may not be able to get at home. Um, and a lot of times, yeah, I feel like there's just other things that I prioritize, because I'm usually more of a short trip kind of person, um, that I don't have time for like all the things, just a limited selection. Just to piggyback off of the thread we're on. <laughs> um, we love piggybacking. Yes. Um, I think it's interesting because you had said that, you know, obviously travel goes under the wellness umbrella. And I think in my mind, I had kept everything like so separate. Like I had never thought like how travel could actually help my, my sense of well-being. I was thought of that being like a luxury, but I think that's also just because I'm cheap. So um, <laughs> I think that plays a part into it. But like, could you speak more on just like how um, being able to travel and experience other things helps you just personally? Of course. So I feel like I could have a whole podcast episode just talking about that. Um, but we'll try and distill it, distill it and be concise in my response, although that's not one of my strong suits. Um, I think when it comes to my brand overall and why I use wellness as an umbrella word, I really struggled for a long time with which direction to go into. So I was running marathons. I was training for New York City and people were asking me about my fitness content. I was getting more invested in like athleisure trends and that sort of stuff because I was just wearing it all the time. And so I started getting more questions there. And the travel hacks in terms of finding site deals and making it work for my budget has been something that I've always loved. Um, my stepmom was big on that when we were younger, like finding experiences and getting them for like the best price that we could kind of afford. So, um, you know, I came to a point where a friend of mine actually said, you know, you're spending all this time and energy on trying to decide which way to go, but why couldn't you do both? And I was like, huh, I guess that's an interesting concept. I suppose I could do both. And then I, I thought more about it. And it was like, well, really, when I'm traveling or when I'm working out, it's about my me time and how 
I fill up my cup and care for myself and continue to grow as a person. So could I not, you know, explore wellness through these two things and just be kind of super clear with people on what that means? And that's how I made the correlation and, and that was born, I think, from a personal standpoint. Um, I didn't realize how important travel was to me until I went to college and I couldn't do it in the same way that I did when I was in like elementary school and had to kind of figure out how to get creative there. But then I realized how much it expanded my perspective. The first time that I went to Asia was when I went to Cambodia to work on a project. And um, I was a junior in college, maybe, and I had started working with this organization called Eggbok Mission um, maybe like six months prior and then was able to actually go and, and work on this business plan that we have for them creating sustainable sorts of revenue, which has come to fruition um, in Cambodia itself. And I remember like being part of the trip and, you know, as I was going, I actually had breathed at that time too. And the, the woman who was leading the trip was like, people are going to ask you about them. Like they don't really see black Americans here. So just like be prepared and don't be offended. Um, and sure enough, that happened and people, you know, had questions. I wanted to touch my hair and it was like, just such a wild experience for me because, you know, I see black women all the time in my phone, on the computer, like, you know, they're, they're everywhere when I, when I call home, <laughs> you know, black people are on the other side of the phone too. So I hadn't really realized that the concept of a black American woman just isn't that common in certain areas of the world. Um, and so now I laugh when people are like, are you Beyonce? Because it's like, you know what? Maybe I could be. Um, I don't get anything like her, but if you want to be sure, um, and I'm still kind of calm that is, is a bit different for folks as well um and my accent is distinctly american i guess more than it is anything else so that can be surprising too but i think that you know i learned along the way that those experiences really expanded my mind and helped me continue to grow uh, and that was an important part of wellness too it's just like continuing to expand who i am as a person um, and shift the way that i see the world that's a great answer i went to china and it was like um uh, yeah I felt like I was like celebrity and I was like I don't like this anymore like at first it was cool but then everyone's like can I take a picture can I take a picture and I was like I'm not famous this is weird oh I know like I get to a threshold um especially in some of those countries I was supposed to go to China this year I um but I've, I've been to China once and yeah I feel like in those sorts of countries like I'll take a few pictures and then like I'll respectfully decline because there's only but so much picture taking and posing that I can, you know, really do. And I get that it's a phenomenon um, for a lot of people, I think especially Black Americans, because they, they don't see a lot of Americans that are any sort of color, really. Um, but yeah, I am, I'm always a big component of, like, doing it until you're over it and then, like, respectfully declining. Yeah, I had to because I was like, I'm not getting paid for this cameo and I'm taking like pictures <laughs> a day and like it was a lot. I was like, oh, I'm sure I'll get like a couple comments and then I was like, I'm not, I'm not Beyonce, guys. I'm not her. So <laughs> China's probably one of the more intensive places for that than a lot of others, just because it's. I hate the word like homogenous, but it's just you stick out a lot more there than you do a lot of other places, especially because they have such heavy restrictions on their usage of the internet and like who can come in and out and for how long and like all of those sorts of things yeah it was it was definitely um interesting but um you mentioned we talked a little bit about your personal brand um and you have your own company and i loved how you were like inspired by travel to make jewelry which is so awesome it's like you never really hear about that um but jewelry is actually something that i get from every country i have i get earrings from every single country and i always lose them but i ended up just taking 
keeping one in um, my scrapbook because I'm like, I know I'm going to lose it. It just happens all the time. But I, I get to keep one and I put it in the scrapbook. But I think it's awesome that you're inspired by jewelry and you mentioned that you still have a full-time job. So how do you balance both? Like, how are you able to, you know, run a whole company on top of your full-time job? Yeah, so it's definitely tough. And I think my thoughts on wellness apply here too. What is balanced for me might not be balanced for anyone else. And so I really don't like to kind of impress how I approach my life on anyone else. I think everyone has different things that they're willing to sacrifice and, and different things that they want to do with their time. Um, so I will, that's a, a big way of practicing the fact that, you know, it's a definitely a delicate balance. I probably work more than a lot of other people that I know. Um, and I don't really have the traditional two days off or just like, you know, work is over at five and then I'm just, you know, doing whatever for the evening. It's usually a lot more planned out. Um, but over the, the last, you know, few months, especially and, and over the past year, really, I've been super clear on what my priorities are um, and what I'm willing to sacrifice versus what I'm not. Um, and that really helps me balance. I also am super clear with anyone that I work with outside of my full-time job on what deadlines I can make because I know that I have this commitment between around 9 a.m. and 5 p.m. Monday through Friday. So um, for any, like, brand sponsorships, I usually require at least one weekend and, like, a minimum of a two-week turnaround because, for me, like, that's just how I have to kind of budget my time. And I think that might be a little bit different from creators that don't have this full-time job commitment and can kind of, like, shoot things or be creative and, and handle things more during the day. Um, but I think with that being said, like, you know, my relationship is really important to me. My family is really important to me. So those are two things that I'm not willing to sacrifice. So I actually just um, hired someone to help me in an assistant kind of capacity because I was realizing that I was getting to the point where I couldn't show up as fully at home as I wanted to. Um, I wasn't looking as mindful as checking in on my parents as I wanted to. So it was time for me to kind of get help. And I'm looking at potential management as well to take some more of that off of my plate. Um, and I'm super lucky to have someone who is helping me with some product development. So over the last couple of weeks, I've made some of these changes, but it definitely was a really hectic summer um, in terms of trying to launch this business during COVID and also um, manage, you know, my growing business, these intensive conversations around Black Lives Matter and anti-racism. Um, but yeah, I think I've learned to define my boundaries, um, you know, stick to what my priorities are. They, of course, you know, may change, but being super clear on that. Um, I don't drink very much because I can't afford to be hungover. Um, and I still don't necessarily have, like, one full day off a week. But I'm definitely trying to, like, work on taking some dedicated time off per day. And I think, luckily enough, my workouts usually are my hour or so that I call self-care per day. Um, so try to make time for those. What would your like ultimate like dream be um, for for what you're building? Of course, I mean I'm not a huge dreamer. I feel like I'm a little bit more realistic. Um, but I think I definitely do have goals to grow by KOS as a platform and as a community. Instagram is great, but you know my heart is really in creating a community that can transcend different platforms. So really making sure that I have um, the space, the content to support that. Continuing to be a resource for Black women in wellness, I think, is, is where I would strive to be from a by K-West standpoint. Made by K-West, um, while I could, again, have a whole podcast on starting a business, especially during COVID, and anything with a physical product has been even more challenging during these times than it would normally be. But 
With that being said, you know, I would love to see Made by K-West in a major aligned retailer um, and just kind of in a place where we're really, you know, well known for what we're doing both within the travel and, you know, kind of fitness space, but then also the impact. So I think impact is a huge piece of what I deem important in my life. Um, and if one person finds, you know, my platform helpful, then for me, that's kind of what I'm, I'm doing my job. And from a Made by K-West standpoint, I think that, you know, continuing to find ways to make an impact. Right now, we're partnering with Girls Going Global on the special edition collection to offer a portion of the proceeds to their um, passport program, which provides domestic cultural immersion experiences as well as ones abroad and then helps with the passport fee. Um, but finding more opportunities like that to continue to give back uh, while I'm growing my business, I think are my goals and what's most important. Black female entrepreneurship. I know. It doesn't, it just makes you want to get going. It's so powerful. Um, and you know, as, as we talk about how powerful it is, what are some tips that you have for other young black women that are looking to start their own personal brand? I think the first part is at least start before you're ready. A lot of times, maybe it's me just being a perfectionist, but you always push things back because you're like, it's not perfect yet. But in, the reality is like, it'll never really be perfect. You're always iterating on things and taking feedback and perfecting things. So that would be the biggest one. I would say, you know, even for me, don't be afraid after you've launched even to pivot and to make changes. Um, obviously, you know, be honest with your audience and be open and all of those things. But you learn as you go to a degree. And there's so many things that you won't know you need to know until you get there. Um, no matter how many hours you've been researching, um, no matter how many people you talk to, like things just pop up. So that would be one. I would say number number two is be relentless. So I like to think that this is something that I'm I'm proud of being in a lot of senses because there are so many times I've been told no. There's so many times I've had to get creative to get you know an email with a brand. There's so many times that I've had to follow up and do more than everyone else to get a chance for the same opportunity. And I, I don't think that any of that discourages me from continuing to try. So you will get many no's, but there will be that one yes that will kind of make it all worth it. So I would say you know don't get kind of too caught up in some of the things that may not initially work out because. Um, you never know if that next time is going to be the time where you're going to, you know, make the move that will really change things for you in a positive direction. Um, and I would say the last thing is just really know your why. So I, I do a lot of different things. Um, and sometimes there are days where it's quite packed. I mean, I've been in meetings since 9 a.m. I filmed content that was due and I've somewhat managed my my by k west email address while fully managing my full-time one um and it's a lot but at the end of the day for me like you know i'm able to continue to build my community i know that the, the work that i'm doing now continues to set a great precedent for the partnerships that i'll have moving forward um and this is a super important conversation for me to be having um, as someone who hasn't called an oreo multiple times and also wants to show that there are so many different ways that you can be a black woman it doesn't have to fit you know anyone's box that I'm always willing to kind of make time and, and make it work. But I think that knowing the why really helps uh, because it's not all this and glamour being an entrepreneurship or being an entrepreneur itself is not um, necessarily what you might see in movies um, or what you might even see from like the snippet that people really show. It's, it's a lot more involved. So those would be my three. Okay. We definitely need to hear that because <laughs> we're personally trying to build like the so-called Oreos brand. And I'm like also thinking about like 
doing stuff with um I do I I'm like certified in like pop Pilates and I'm trying to do like more skincare stuff but I'm looking and I'm doing all these seminars of like how do you build a brand specifically on Instagram because it seems like that's a platform that people just go to even though I I just like Instagram out of everything but I'm like okay just lean into that um but do you also have any tips to someone who's specifically trying to use Instagram because you're into like travel and wellness and I'm kind of like trying to on top of the Oreos brand like building our Instagram we're doing more into videos and stuff and then also I'm trying to do more so like lifestyle and skincare and probably also wellness because I do do Pilates but do you have any tips of like should you only be posting that type of content should you be reaching out to brands like what do you have for someone who's like trying to intersect multiple things in their of course, I think I want to be really clear on what your niche is. So, like, I touch a couple of things, but I really clearly communicate that it's wellness via travel and fitness. I like to stay supported by food because we all have to eat, and it's a part of your experience, whether you're at home working out or abroad. Um, but that makes it really clear when I'm reaching out to brands because, like, yes, I might post about travel and fitness and, and wellness, but they understand how it all comes together, which I think is key if you're doing multiple things. Um, but I wouldn't necessarily say that you have to feel pressure to stick to one thing or the other. And you can also evolve. So I was watching a video that a content creator had put out a couple of weeks ago about how her brand was changing. And what she was doing a couple of years ago isn't really what, you know, fuels her right now. And so she's pivoting and that's okay too. Um, I think as long as you kind of keep your audience looked in so they know what to expect, that's fine. Um, I would say, you know, it, it's tough now because the space is a lot more complicated than it used to be. But when I first started, I literally spent hours and hours just researching, like, how the platforms work, what growth strategies were, and spending time authentically engaging with people. And I think that that really paid off. Um, I, I was handed my boss's Twitter account my first internship in college. And it was so fun for me to, like, figure out how to show growth. Um, and to kind of show the return on investment there. And, and that really helped me to create future projects where that's what I was doing for, you know, companies and people. So I would say, um, you know, really research the platforms that you're on and what works. I think from an Instagram perspective, things are always changing, especially these days. Um, but one of the common things that I've kind of learned um, from talking to folks in the industry and just my own experience is when Instagram comes out with a tool, use it. Um, and make sure that you're taking advantage of all of their tools within their toolkit because it's really important and they want people who are engaged and they want people with engaged communities. So I saw you guys doing some reels. I saw one that was like going really well. Um, I watched it a few times myself actually because I was like, that looks like Amari. And then I was like, oh, I see this. Um, and then I clicked on the page and I was like, okay, cool. Um, I went through a wrap. I went down the rabbit hole one night. But anyways, I think that those are like, a couple things and then being consistent is really important so even if there are times where you're not seeing that you're getting like the engagement that you want continue to show up for the community continue to be there and continue to create regular content um because that really makes a big difference okay that's so awesome that you said that because I don't even think we like thought about the reels you we were just like oh they have this thing and that's when we post it and then the thing you saw was probably Amari's that just hit one million views so we're like super excited because it basically like transformed our page like honestly overnight like within two weeks we're now almost at like 4,500 followers and it's it's like crazy because we had like 900 like two weeks ago but just from like the reels and like now we're trying to consistently do it so that was very um helpful that you said that because it means we're kind of doing something right for now um but Amari Janae do you have anything else you want to ask or do you want to wrap it up um I it's more like a comment or whatever but um 
So I, um, I used to do like audience engagement, audience development, uh, for a media company. My parents were always confused about like what I was doing and they still don't completely understand. But I think it's like awesome that in like, even in our personal lives, but even in just creating brands, like to see that kind of like implemented and like everyone's kind of like their own, like strategically thinking about how you build these audiences. And I really don't feel like a lot of people understand the work that it goes, like goes into it or like, like you talk about like researching and like learning about the algorithm and, you know, just all these different things. Um, so I just think it's like, I think it's personally awesome. Um, but yeah. Yeah. Just- there's a big difference. I think, and this was something that I have been driving home since the beginning when I was chatting with like 68 year old GMs about why Facebook was important, but using these social channels for business or for like to grow them an audience, it's different from like, if you're using it in a personal sense and like from a personal standpoint so you know I don't have the bandwidth to maintain like Instagram I think as the kids call it um but you know if I wasn't posting content because people were looking for certain things from me or thinking about kind of what my audience might want from that standpoint I'm sure I would post pictures of Joey all day long and that might be it um he's way more fun and looking than me honestly for the most part but um I think that knowing what you're doing and kind of understanding that again it's not just me posting pictures of myself you know for my friends and family to see like this is an audience that I'm continuing to give to that I'll then give back um it's a super important distinction and like remembering that again doing it for a business purpose is a little bit different than like just doing it for fun um because I think like the level of consistency and thought and research to your point is just a little bit different do you have any final questions no. Is your heart and mind clear, as you would say? My heart and mind is clear. Awesome. This was a fantastic talk, though. Fantastic. Like, I feel like I learned so much. I feel like this was less of an interview for the podcast, but more of like a informational conversation that you provided for us three who are trying to, you know, like grow our brand and, and, and figure out stuff for so-called Oreo. So thank you for that, really. Yeah, thank you so much. Um, And Karen, do you have... Do you want to just tell the audience where they could find you and, and everything you're about? Of course. So my most active social channel is Instagram at by K West. And then for anything that's career related um, or product related, that's made by K West. And my website is by I have some really exciting stuff in the works when it comes to continuing the conversation on anti-racism and movement. Um, so that'll be coming in October and a lot more from the jewelry brand as well as we launch the different continents and get into more of the storytelling around those things. Awesome. That's so exciting. And we'll put all the information in the show notes and tag you and everything so everyone can see where they can find all that good stuff. Um, but thank you for joining us today. Yeah, thank you. Thank you so much. And thanks so much for tuning into this week's episode of so-called oreos podcast please follow us on all social media at so-called oreos and you can email us at so-called oreos at gmail.com also fill out our survey it's on all our social media especially our new listeners um we really want you guys to fill out the survey so we know what we can bring to you and what content you enjoy and how we can make this podcast more enjoyable and you can listen to us on all podcast platforms like soundcloud itunes spotify google play and please, please, please remember to help us out by liking the podcast, rating it, subscribing, leaving an awesome review. 
Until next time, everyone. Bye. 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 Bye.